Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to What That Old Queen? A candid and adult take on queer life quandaries at a certain age. So please listen at your own discretion. Presented by Bernie and Tommy, their views are their own and in no way reflect those of any service you may hear this program on. Now, let your ears be upstanding for the (coughs) old queen. Hello, Tommy. Hello, Bernie. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, actually. Yeah, how are you? I'm I'm very well. We haven't done this in a while. No, I fear I might be a bit rusty. <laughs> we might all be a bit rusty. Well, it's nice to be back with you recording. I can't remember the last time we actually did this. December. Wow. A lot has happened. Yeah. Some good, some bad. Some good, some bad. Mm. Uh, we've got a new prime minister. We've got a new king. Long live, so, long live the king! Mm. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we're not offending anyone by our title. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's been it's been quite a year, which is why we've had a bit of a break. What have you been up to recently? Well, I was invited to Charleston House. Uh, last weekend to perform the diaries of Lytton Strachey, who was one of the Bloomsbury set. So kind of like Virginia Woolf, that kind of crew, rich upper classes who spoke very RP. So I was quite surprised to be invited uh, <laughs> um, and speak his diaries. And it was someone that I didn't really know about at all. But after reading the diaries, I just fell in love with this fella Oh really? Um, yeah. Why was that? What 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 made you fall in love with him? Well, the diaries are like he he was a writer, novelist and but he was, you know, a prolific diary writer. Um and he writes letters as well to different people. And you can see that his letters are just kind of distractions from from actually getting on with the, the, the task in hand of writing the novels. And he would go to Charleston House to, to do his writing of the books. And I did pick out a couple of entries. A little extract yeah, or two. That I thought might be quite... 
quite fun because it's actually quite shocking some of the things that he talks about. So he talks about friendships and picking up people and also sadomasochistic relationships where he's oh. on a crucifix and different kinds of things like that. Hang on a minute, did you say sadomasochistic? Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> Have you got a have you got a sound effects for um, a crucifixion? No, but I can arrange that for the next episode. Well, lay, I, lay it on us. I want to die a hundred years hence with a volume of Voltaire under my pillow and the ghost of erection still lingering between the sheets. Oh, very profound. A blackhead tart mooching around the National Gallery, longing to be picked up. We both lingered in the strangest manner in front of various masterpieces, room to room. It goes on. Where am I, where am I going next? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. In, in the next room? <laughs> oh. I do quite like, I like that imagery. Because there's lots of like little, almost like little love affairs that you have with people on public transport or in... In places like a museum or an art gallery, isn't there, where you can you can just kind of size them up and yes. fancy them a bit. And I, I quite like that. Then, looking around, I perceived a more attractive tart. Bright yellow hair, pink face, plenty of vitality. So I transferred my attentions and moved in his direction. I looked closer at his face. It was... The Prince of Wales. <laughs> Was it our current king? <laughs> <laughs> well, who's the Prince of Wales now? Is it William? William, yeah. Mm. Slightly contentious. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, the, the, the less said about that, the better, really. <laughs> well, let's just hope she lives up to it. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do. <laughs> oh, but I love that. Um, so he was. So he was a well-known, yeah, but queer he, writer. He was a queer writer, but somehow along the line, his legacy hasn't lasted. Whilst some of the other of the Bloomsbury set have, but I was very curious to be there reading uh, the diaries and the letters, um, particularly feeling, you know, like I come from like a complete opposite of that kind of background, mm. being quite working class, and as I was leaving they showed us around the Charleston house and there was various curators and historians there and I sort of said oh I just wonder wonder what Lytton would have thought of me reading his diaries and one of these sort of I would say rather pompous historians said how long have you got oh wow (laughs) (laughs) I said not very long because there's a taxi outside (laughs) and that was how it was left Oh, okay. <laughs> he didn't sum it up in one word. <laughs> no, but I think Lytton would have done. He talks very much um, about class and actually quite quite sympathetic towards class. But um, but he was one of those queers that it was easier to be queer when you were, you know, rich and wealthy. Oh, yeah, of um, course. Yeah. They sort of avoided any of the the kind of issues that people from working class backgrounds sort of fall into, particularly in terms of law and order. Yeah. They could buy themselves out of it, couldn't they? Yeah. But also just just being able to talk about those S and M relationships in a 
in a very considered and beautiful way in this National Trust house full of people that were a mix of, you know, your kind of typical National Trust kind of audience as well as like local queers from the the area was just very liberating and just a brilliant experience. Amazing. Were any, did any turn up in leather or rubber or...? Not that I was aware of, Right. No. Okay. No. That's a shame. Did you turn up in leather or rubber? <laughs> no, I wore velvet. Okay. Well, you've got that velvet fetish, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. And I and I did it with Peter Baker, friend of the show. Yeah. Um, and I took an extra velvet jacket for him. You know, Bernie, of course, I wanted to do it with you. Yes. But you were otherwise engaged. I was, uh, which is a shame because I would have loved to have done it. But yeah, it was a... Uh, it was a friend's birthday weekend, so um, I kind of stayed here and parted, <laughs> as it were. Uh, talking of birthdays, it's our third birthday. I can't believe it. Three years. I mean, one of those years, we've pretty not much been doing very much, apart from our own personal lives, which has been full and rich. And Yeah, but two of those years, we were doing loads because mm. it was lockdown and we were doing... One every week. One every week. Mm. And yeah, so I think... I think we've it's it's evened itself out. Fifty five episodes. It's not bad, is it? Yeah, it's all right. Uh, I mean, I'm younger than that, so only <laughs> <laughs> just. <laughs> but anyway, cheers. Cheers. I've almost got an empty glass. Oh, well, you know, better fill it up. And talking about sexual relationships, mm. we're back. For some reason, uh, my auto spellers <laughs> on the script has said we're back with a bag. Oh. <laughs> but we're back with a bang because we're going to talk about the glamorous world of STIs. I'm very excited. Today. <laughs> yeah. and we have a special guest, a, almost a specialist in STIs coming on later. Some might say that we were specialists with STIs ourselves. Well, we've, you know, had our fair share. We've had our fair share. So I did a bit of research on the NHS website uh, for sexual health for gay and bisexual men. And a survey of gay and bisexual men by Stonewall revealed that one in three men had never had an HIV test and one in four had never been tested for any STI. I find that remarkable. Yeah, I do as well, because I'm in and out of that health centre quite a lot. Well, it's a home from home, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, I can actually be... It's so conveniently located for my flat that I can actually be... In my flat, I can get there in five minutes and be in the waiting room. Right. Well, perfect. Mm -mm. (laughs) That's why I moved here. Yeah. (laughs) So shall we go through some of these just quickly? We'll go in more depth when, um, when Nate comes on later. But some of them are monkeypox, obviously, which is very prevalent this year. Hepatitis A, hepatitis B... And hepatitis C. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I think my friend used to call it hepatitis X, Y, and Z. So, <laughs> gonorrhea, which is a particular favourite of mine, which I've had a few times. You... Well, this is a lot of this. Yeah, the idea for this episode come from well us getting various forms, but I had gonorrhea in my throat, mm. um, which. I didn't have any side effects or... Would you call them side effects? Uh, symptoms? Symptoms, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
No, um, I don't think you do in the throat. But I was treated for it and um, had to go through this sort of almost excruciatingly embarrassing but also quite fun and also reassuring process of telling people, like, that they might need to get checked. Yeah, and how was that for you? Well, it started... I was absolutely humiliated at first that I thought that I couldn't do that. And then as soon as I sent one message, I was quite pleased by the reaction, which was, you know, oh, thanks for letting me know, I will do that. And then I proceeded to tell basically everyone that had even just winked at me. (laughs) (laughs) Just in case. (laughs) So I had, I also had chlamydia. Well, not also, but I had chlamydia, an STI this year. Similar, at a similar kind of time. At a similar time, mm. and also in my throat, bizarrely. Mm. I don't know how, you, how that happens, but um, <laughs> I, I went through and told everyone who I'd uh, slept with, and um, like none of them had it. Same here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. They all went, and this is what they said. You've got to believe them, I guess. Take their word for it. But they all said, "I've been, and yeah, I don't have it." Yeah, I've been, and I. Yeah, that's what they said to me. Yeah, I've I've been screened, and I don't have it. So, somewhere down the line, somebody's lying. Someone's telling a porky pie. Mm. Okay, uh, some other ones. Non-specific urethritis, NSU. I think I've had that. Chlamydia, I've mentioned. Shingella or Shigella. I never had this. Sounds like a drag queen. Never, never even heard of it. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll talk about that later on. Uh, genital herpes, syphilis, genital warts, which uh, I think that's one of the first ones I got. We'll talk I've that never about had later. it. And it, do you have that similar thing with monkeypox? I don't. What in what way? Oh, what that you can get a vaccine? No, but you get warts when you have monkeypox. Uh, well, I think you get sores, don't you? Okay. So I don't know. Nate can tell us later. Pubic lice. I've also had that. <laughs> Otherwise known as crabs. Yes, I've had crabs. Uh, scabies. I've had that. <laughs> I pretty much had them all. Really. <laughs> uh, there's also HIV as well, which I don't know. Have I mentioned that? No. I, I haven't had that one. And we get checked quite regularly because we're on prep. Mm. Uh, and we can maybe talk about that with Nate a little bit later. Yeah, so it's going to be an interesting, if not slightly squeamish, episode. I mean, interesting and squeamish are my two favorite words. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is like being on prep and having those regular tests and screenings have sort of kick-started kick other various forms of questions around my own health right. that they've identified. So, they, so for example, they, they found blood in my urine, which meant that they then I ended up having a um, camera crew up my penis <laughs> um, to look at my bladder. Uh, so it wasn't. It was something that they identified, and then I they referred me to someone else. Yeah, anemia uh, was identified through that. Um, oh. I had to go through doctors. So, in a way, it sort of opens up a doorway for you to take other elements of your health more seriously, or or consider them in a way. I guess it just makes you think more about health, doesn't mm. it? So. Mm. 
Yeah, because I, I also had a bit of a health scare with my nether regions, but that wasn't through my sexual health tests. That was through other things. But it, uh, I was diagnosed with IBS. So I guess you just get to a certain point in your life and certain things go <laughs> start going wrong, don't mm. they? <laughs> well, we're discovering that. And uh, the beauty is that we'll be doing it all together. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we can talk about it all in depth via this podcast. Uh, <laughs> the other change, we've, like, we've changed podcast hosts. Yes. So we now have ads... What do you think they're going to be advertising? I don't know. Well, I think so. Some of the previous episodes already have ads, and I think Homo Sapiens is one of the popular ones. Do you think that they'll be listening into what we're talking about and choose appropriate adverts for us? Um, I hope so. <laughs> or is it like a general algorithm just because we're a queer podcast? I was on the train on. Um... Monday, and I looked out and I said to my travelling companion, look at all those ladders all lined up. Do you think that if you put them all together, you'd be able to reach the moon? And we both laughed. And then I looked at my Instagram and it started advertising ladders to me. (laughs) Big Brother is listening in right now. Do you think we're going to get lots of ads for ointments for our nether regions after this recording? (laughs) Well, I hope so, because I'm running low. <laughs> want to know where to go to get my next acquisition. <laughs> so anyway, if you, if you don't like the ads, you can subscribe to Acast Plus, um, where you get, for a couple of quid a month, you can get all of our podcast episodes without the ads. Or you can do a Plus Plus uh, subscription, where we'll be posting some little extra bits that hopefully we can record while we're doing this season. Did you like the Queen Queen's funeral when they said, you know, in a mark of respect for the Queen, we're not going to be showing any adverts? <laughs> 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 they did it on Channel 4, but it, they, ju- they just kept saying it. Right. Rather than, apparently on the BBC, they just had a nice picture of the Queen. But, but on Channel 4, they just kept saying it. Oh, okay. No, um, I watched BBC and it was Kirsty Young. What, saying something? No, she was just interviewing people where presumably everyone else is putting adverts. Oh, okay. We'll just put Kirsty in. Yeah, exactly. Is I... she doing anything? Can we have her doing a little jingle? <laughs> I don't know. Shall I ask her? I've, I've forgotten about Kirsty Young. She used to do Channel 5 News, didn't she? Kirsty Young, did she do um, Desert Island Discs? Oh, yes, yeah, she might have done Desert mm. Island Discs. But I hadn't seen her for years until then. Well, she was very ill for a long time. Oh, was she? Mm. Oh, OK. Um, welcome back, Kirsty. Oh, welcome back, Kirsty. I was very delighted to see her. And welcome back, what that old queen. So we're going to have a break now with proper ads. And we'll be back afterwards with Nate. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, so we've had we've, we had ads, Tommy, for the first time. And while they were playing, we had cake. We had cake. We had little um, Colin the cake from Marks and Spencers, who refused to sponsor us. <clears throat> but I keep I keep plugging him just in case. Nice, how, wouldn't it? How was the cake? Delicious. Yeah, I always mm. like Colin the cake. Yeah, we had a little candle as well. At that point, we also have our guest arrive, Nate. Hi. Hi, Nate. Hi. How are you doing? How would you describe what your title is in terms of your work? Um, so I'm a sexual health advisor um, and I'm also a therapist as well. It's an interesting role that's kind of, I suppose, quite English in that sense. That is really a, one of the things that we have in sexual health services here. But basically I do a lot of psychological, emotional support and a lot of advice giving around sexual health. Did those two roles come together at the same time or, were, or has the job evolved into that? Well, for me, no. So I, I, I have a background in, uh, I did my undergraduate in biomedical sciences, so kind of virology and kind of epidemiology and that kind of stuff. So the science of um, infection. Um, so that's where my knowledge base comes from. And then uh, because the job is so kind of psychological focused, I trained as a counsellor while I was actually doing that job. Um, and I'm now doing further training in psychotherapy and counselling psychology as well. So I'm kind of using the elements that I'm interested in, um, as well as the advice giving and kind of information stuff. So, yeah, it's a mixture. Great. And and do you think you'll, will you branch out to just do therapy or? Well, I currently uh, practice as, as a private practice therapist um, uh, already. Um, oh, great. But I'd like to... Yeah, I'd like to probably incorporate more kind of sexual health into that as well. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with that as well. Okay, so we mentioned some STIs, a lot of the ones that Tommy and I have had this week. And um, <laughs> there was there was an interesting thing on the NHS uh, website where 
It said a survey of gay and bisexual men by Stonewall revealed that one in three men had never had an HIV test and one in four had never been tested for an STI. I find that remarkable. Yeah, I find that really strange. It's weird when I've, I've been working in sexual health for over a decade now and it's still really strange. Sometimes when I'll meet a patient who's maybe in you know their 30s or 40s or something like that who's never tested before and I'm just kind of like, oh, you've been sexually active for you know decades literally and you've never thought to have a test is it about the fear of hiv is it kind of some stigma is it and then it's like oh i've been fine i haven't had any symptoms and now i've got symptoms i've come in and i'm like okay you should be doing this even if you don't have symptoms <laughs> yeah because a lot of these don't actually have symptoms yeah. do yeah. they? Yeah. <laughs> or some of them don't i've got quite a few friends who are in relationships and i guess they don't get screened because they're in a monogamous relationship. Yeah, potentially. I mean, if there's no new risk for infection, then there's no reason why you need to test necessarily. Um, however, obviously, some people still test in so-called monogamous relationships because things do occasionally happen or they're concerned about their partner potentially kind of straying. But I think, yeah, if you're in a monogamous committed relationship and you would talk about it if it was kind of something that happened outside of that, outside of your primary relationship, then there's no need for you to test. Mm. But then there are those people that just assume that and haven't done that testing within it. And then potentially there's an infection there that hasn't been treated for many, many years. So, yeah, you've always got to do that test at some point. I think that's probably more pronounced with men that have sex with men that are in relationships with women, that the woman might catch something that she's completely yeah. un unknown and... Yeah, so if he's kind of having sex outside of that relationship with other men, yeah, she's not a, a party of that information and therefore potentially she's going to be at risk and then something happens and she has some symptoms or something. And we've seen patients at work in that situation and it, it's probably a, the worst way to find out that your partner's having other partners is to have an infection and find out. It's like they'll often come in and be like, oh, I've got these symptoms, but assuming that it's nothing to worry about. And then they're found to have chlamydia and that can be completely devastating for someone's sense of their relationship and what that actually means to them. So, mm. yeah, tricky. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of straight women who are middle aged <laughs> and they've they've kind of they've had their menopause and they've they've split up with their partners and mm. then they go on a sexual rampage. <laughs> yeah. And because they've had their menopause, they don't they don't use condoms or anything and they think they're going to be fine. And actually they're exposing themselves to. STIs, yeah, regardless, but they don't even think about that. Yeah, I mean, as part of your, I think there's definitely an increase in STIs in the younger population, so kind of under 25s, so, you know, 16 to 25s, but there's also definitely evidence of uh, more infections in those over 50. Um, because especially if kind of relationship structures have changed, people are in their second marriage or kind of like, as you said, back out on the scene and things like that and haven't used condoms for such a long time in their primary relationship that. They're, they're not thinking about that at all or thinking that infections are going to be something that they're going to be at risk of. Mm. Um, there's a few campaigns about chlamydia kind of um, for over, over 60s, like earlier, like in a few years ago, because there was a big population that just had lots of chlamydia. Wow. And that makes me wonder about the pandemic, mm. you know, COVID. And I heard a rumour at the time that it was possible that, like, all sexual diseases would actually be erased because no one was getting any or the or you were getting some but within your own mm, your little networks yeah would that something actually transferred across or i think unfortunately i mean it was a it was a, a monumental moment and most moments are monumental but it was um a, a point in time that really we could have dealt with a lot of stis a lot better 
like we could we had a time where basically people weren't having a lot of sex and if we'd screened everybody that we could screen at that time then we would have definitely had a massive reduction um unfortunately all of the funding for kind of sexual health services and stuff like that was already quite small and we were in a pandemic and it was kind of focusing on that side of the healthcare but there were lots of campaigns about okay you're, you're stuck at home you know you might as well order a home testing kit and do something um, makes more fun than playing um, Zoom with your friends, kind of doing some quiz <laughs> night or something like that. Or, or do both at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, 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 <laughs> make it into pop quiz. <laughs> it's an interesting round. We Who's should have done that with next? the podcast. We could have done live STI testing. Oh. So <laughs> and then done the results the next kind of episode. Anyway, I digress. So shall we go through some of these STIs and we, yeah, we sure. can maybe expand upon them? Uh, should we touch on monkeypox for a bit? Yeah, yeah because sure. that's been the headline of this mm. this year. Not technically an STI, no, but kind of is yeah. in a way. So obviously, monkeypox is picked up through close, intimate contact. You need to have kind of contact with either someone who's got the the, the kind of actual pox and um, ulcers or kind of like uh, sores on their body, or potentially it can be picked up through uh, droplets that are passed through kind of kissing and stuff like that. So you need to be. You can't just, it's not like COVID. It's not really, really super easily acquired just in a room with someone else. You need to have close kind of intimate contact with it. could be on a towel though. Yeah, so it can be on kind of um, uh, kind of fabrics and kind of bedding and things like that as well. So you can pick it up from that and then if you touch your skin through that way. Um, but the majority, the reason I think it's ended up appearing like a sexually transmitted infection is because it's it's within groups. It's in within kind of gay and bisexual men predominantly across the world. And that's why this outbreak has happened is because these people are having close contact and then having close contact with other people. And then that's how kind of yeah, the infection has kind of spread through those groups. Can it be treated? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's a self-limiting infection. Um, so... Um, uh, everyone kind of recovers from it. I mean, there's been, historically, there have been some deaths with it, but I don't really think with this uh, kind of outbreak there has been at all. So you will over, overcome the virus, you get over it. Um, there is medication that can help you do that. Um, uh, and obviously there's the vaccine that's available to kind of stop you getting it as well. Okay. Why is it connected to a monkey? Good question. Um, I, th- I think, <laughs> I don't know. I think actually it was something to do with the fact that basically it, there have been some animal cases of it, and I think basically there's something there. But I think it wasn't monkeys that were the source or anything like that. It's not directly picked up from monkeys. Well, I feel oh. sorry for the monkeys. I know, yeah. it feels a bit... Label on... Yeah. But it's, it's a bit like chicken pox, I suppose, as well, isn't it? Because that's blamed on chickens, which I'm sure it's not anything yeah. to do no, with. Thank <laughs> <laughs> Panda pox. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. So, so some of these have vaccines. Hepatitis A, B, C, W, X, Y, Z. Yeah. So some of the hepatitides um, do have uh, vaccinations. So uh, basically there are three types of hepatitis um, you want to be aware of, really, in terms of kind of you might be at risk of. So hepatitis A is um, an infection that's picked up through tiny, tiny bits of faecal matter, so tiny bits of poo that you might ingest. So obviously things like rimming could be a potential risk. Um, That's, again, self-limiting, so you always clear that virus. While swimming? Yeah, you can pick it up through while swimming. There is some cases of people picking it up through food and water, which is a typical route in places that don't have so good hygiene as well. But that's you can vaccinate against that. But you always clear that, so you always get better. But you can feel really, really, really rubbish while your body's trying to overcome it. I'm kind of regretting that that was a chocolate cake now after that. 
um, description. Anyway, um, <laughs> hepatitis B. Yep. So Hep B, um, that's another vaccine you can get. Um, so Hep B, unlike Hep A, um, some people don't clear. Some people can't get rid of. So most, the vast majority of people living with hepatitis B uh, will overcome it. Their immune system kind of deals with it, gets rid of it sorted you're left with the natural immunity so basically your body fights it off you're left with antibodies very small percentage of people can't do that for whatever reason and they live with it chronically and it affects the liver over time so it's important to get that vaccine that can be passed through sex or through blood to blood contact okay and hep c no so hep c there isn't a vaccine unfortunately hep c is another infection that you can pick up um and that's generally through direct blood to blood contact but there isn't a vaccine for that one unfortunately but you can be treated for that yeah now so you, yeah, so about one in five, one in six people will clear hep C naturally. Um, but the other four out of five, um, or four out of uh, five out of six, um, people can um, have treatment. It's a lot, lot better than it used to be as well. So historically it used to be um, really terrible treatment that potentially would cause you long-term problems, problems with your mental health. But now it's actually um, oral treatment that's very, very good and very easily taken. Gonorrhea. Okay. <laughs> Super gonorrhea. Um, Oh gosh, there's a super version now as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, there is. So gonorrhea is um, a bacterial infection, very easily picked up through any kind of sexual contact. So you can obviously get it in your genitals, you can get it in your bum, you can get it in your throat. Um, Sometimes causes symptoms. Generally, the strains that we're seeing nowadays don't cause as many symptoms as they used to. So historically, people would be talking about pissing razor blades and all that kind of stuff. Often, you won't get symptoms even in the genitals, but you probably wouldn't in the throat or the bum. But that's completely curable because it's a bacteria. But it's a clever bacteria, so it can develop resistance against the antibiotics we use, which is what super gonorrhea is. It's not really super. It's just a bit more resistant to certain antibiotics that we typically use. And it's quite rare, luckily. So should people be getting tested more? I mean, they should be getting tested anyway, yeah, right? Yeah, they should be getting tested regularly. So the, the recommendations to the kind of the organisations like the British Association of Sexual Health and HIV, so BASH, um, their recommendation would be to for uh, gay, queer, bisexual men to test every three months um, if they've had a change of sexual partner. NSU? So NSU stands for non-specific urethritis, technically not an STI, um, it's a condition. So NSU is basically an irritation of the urethra, but we don't know what it is, so it's non-specific, and that's what the acronym stands for. Can be caused by gonorrhea, can be caused by chlamydia, can also be caused by lots of other things. So until we know what it is, it's non-specific. But the other things that it can be, can be random stuff. So there's lots of different bacteria, potentially viruses, potentially just the body's response to irritants. So sometimes shower gel. So oh, okay. don't use links or stuff like that. Again, sorry if I've sport any sponsorship deals. <laughs> um, I don't think we were. I don't think we were looking for that one. Okay, that's right. It's, probably, probably it's not one. really our demographic. <laughs> don't judge. I'm not judging. <laughs> so chlamydia. Have we already talked about that? Okay. Chlamydia is just uh, chlamydia is very common. Chlamydia is Bernie's favourite. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's a pretty yeah. sounding one, and there are some. I think there have been some people that have wanted to name their children, chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they've gone to kind of register their the name of the child, they've been like, "You um, sure about yeah. that?" <laughs> but again, another common one, one that we see a lot in younger people. Um, so again, that as I said, that sixteen to twenty-five demographic. Um, it was the first one. A sexual disease that I ever had. Was it? Mm. It's, so it's got a special it's place in my heart. Yeah. Mm. Has it? Well, can we talk about that in a, in a bit? Shigella? Shigella. Shigella. So Shigella is um, uh, essentially a gut parasite. 
Um, so it's an, um, yeah, it's, it can again be picked up to rimming or potentially kind of, you know, if you were to give someone a blowjob and they've been fucking someone and it's kind of, you know, there's, there's bits there. Um, potentially that's how you pick it up and that can make you feel really, really unwell. So um, it's, yeah, it's not a good one. Basically you'll get, yeah, lots of gastrointestinal problems you'll feel. When I thought it was Shigella, I thought it sounded like a drag queen name, but Shigella sounds like a psychic drag queen. Yeah, psychic. <laughs> <laughs> but again, completely curable. So these are all... What, being a psychic drag queen? Yeah. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, genital herpes. Yeah, so herpes, um, it's a, well, there's two types of herpes, really. So there's the cultural virus, so herpes type 1, and then the the more typical genital version, so herpes type 2. You're more likely to get type 2 in the genital area, although you can get type 1. It gets a little bit confusing, but realistically, it's, it's a normal skin virus. So a lot of people have herpes probably about one in 10 people in the UK um, will have type 2 herpes and probably about 70-80% of the population will have type 1, so the, the cold sore version. They're normal skin viruses, but we've made them out to be the worst possible thing in the world because they're incurable. But as a human, you're filled with loads of viruses. These are just ones that some people have that cause, cause ulceration. I haven't had a cold sore for probably about five years. Mm-hmm. That's good. But do you think that means... You still have the virus. Yeah. So I haven't had a cold sore since I was a kid, but I still have the virus. Mm. And it's basically, it lives in your nerve tissue. So it lives in your nerve cells and it just goes dormant. Um, doesn't really do anything. And then sometimes it can activate. So if you get really run down, if you get really stressed, that's when your immune system dips and the virus can reactivate again. And syphilis, which apparently is on the rise again. Yeah. So we're seeing a lot of more, a lot more of gonorrhea and a lot more of syphilis. Um, syphilis is, again, a bacterial infection. It's probably one of the oldest infections in terms of kind of SGIs. It's been around forever. Um, if you look at kind of some of the history of it, it's quite interesting. But um, it's very easily treated with penicillin. So we're still using penicillin for it. So it's great. It works really well. But it's a bit harder to detect properly. So with things like chlamydia and gonorrhea, you can take a swab. There it is. Um, same with herpes. Um, you can kind of pick up on the virus and basically show it. With syphilis, you basically have to do a blood test. So you need to show your body's response to syphilis, really. So the antibodies um, or the presence of the syphilis in your blood, which is a little bit more complicated, and it can take up to three months for that to show. You can show symptoms of it. So you might get an ulcer when you first get it, and then you might get a rash a few months later on your chest, potentially your hands and feet. But the blood test is the best way to test for it. Um, Genital warts. (laughs) (laughs) I always wanted to call my child that. Uh, <laughs> not chlamydia, um, which was the first STI I ever had. Mm-hmm. I remember when, so we can talk about your f- the first time now mm. you ever had an STI. I was so mortified when I had to go to the gum clinic here in Bristol, actually. Okay. I have to say that the female doctor that I had was so good. Yeah. She was okay. so sensitive and she realised I was so embarrassed Aww. about this. Uh, she made me feel so at ease. It yeah. was unbelievable. But yeah, let's let's expand on the genital warts, shall we? <laughs> so genital warts are basically, it's HPV, so the human papillomavirus. Um, there are lots of different types of HPV. Some cause genital warts. Um, so there's a few different strains which cause genital warts. Some can cause uh, penile and throat cancers. Some cause uh, cervical cancer. Some do absolutely nothing at all. But they're very, very common. So if you were to take a skin scraping of pretty much anybody, you'd probably find some versions of HPV. 
genital warts are where basically the virus kind of uh, causes the skin cells to divide in a really funny way and it makes this little cauliflower shape basically it's very normal to have HPV, um, but most people that have genital warts or diversions that cause genital warts probably will never show them. Um, so again, it's a really un, it's a really common virus to have, but most people don't know they have it. Um, there is a vaccine for this. So yeah, so HPV, uh, yeah, there is a vaccine for that. There's um, again uh, something you can get um, at sexual health clinics, typically in the UK, uh, for gay and bisexual men. Um, that's a cause of three injections um, and protects you against, as I said, some of the types that cause genital warts, but some of those really uncommon types but are more serious, so the ones that can cause penile and throat cancers. So definitely another good vaccine to get because it protects you against things that you're very unlikely to have, but you don't want to get genital cancer. It's not a fun one to have. Mm, I, no, I, I can't really have the vaccine because I'm too old, aren't I? Yeah, this is an interesting point that I was actually talking about with a colleague today. Um, so the, the, there's a, a kind of upper age limit of 45. Um, and the rationale behind this is um, because by the time you're 45, deemed to potentially have been exposed to these types already. And there's evidence that basically points to it doesn't necessarily give you any benefit to have it after that point. Right. However, we were talking about the fact is if you were to come out later in life or potentially to be, you know, not be particularly sexually active for a big proportion of your life and then, you know, kind of divorce your husband and basically go back on the scene actually you would be at risk so it's an interesting point about why we decided or not i didn't personally decide. <laughs> it wasn't up to me it was up to some very clever kind of um epidemiologists but but there is unfortunately a, typically a kind of an age limit to it which is interesting mm. have you have you had it tommy no okay you're too old now as well aren't you yeah. So, okay, well, we'll just have to live with that one. Uh, I'm going to put these two together, which are kind of lesser ones, okay. uh, pubic lice and scabies, because they're kind of treated in the same way, aren't they? Yeah, so the, the similar treatment. The amount of pubic hair that people have, we see a lot less pubic lice than we used to. Because the bush is getting smaller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, people are la uh, scaping a bit more, aren't they? Yeah, it's definitely more well, not here. Well, well, no, not me. <laughs> not me. <laughs> but I think because everybody watches porn and they've all yeah. skaped everything off, that they they think that's a natural thing to do, don't they? Yeah. But it's definitely reduced the amount of surface area that the pubic lice can live in. So therefore, they're kind of they're on the wane. Um, habitat, but, should we call yeah, it habitat? habitat. There we go. That, that sounds the right way. Um, and then scabies is a tiny little um, mite that lives under the surface of the skin. It can both be really itchy um, because basically the uh, pubic lice can it's to do with their eggs and things like that, and it just it irritates the skin. But the scabies is kind of just under the skin um, and kind of causes these little um, furrows to basically, not furrows, burrows, to kind of um, cause irritation at this, the, the level of the skin. Um, and that can be really difficult to treat because you need to wash all your bedding, you need to kind of actually cover yourself with medication all over your skin and then do it again. So, yeah, you often get people kind of um, having to be retreated for that one because they're not quite um, getting rid of it. Um, but you can pick it up from sharing a bed with someone you don't know, like mm. non in a non-sexual way as well, mm. or kind of or in a hotel. Like yeah, potentially. I mean, I think most places nowadays it'd be quite quite unlikely, mm. but possible. Well, you should see some of the places that I have to stay when I'm touring. Wow, well, yeah. <laughs> but you, you, it's basically it's the same topical treatment, isn't it? For, yeah. yeah. For head lice. Basically, yeah, isn't basically it? it's the same, same stuff. So you, yeah, it's so quite you easily and readily available over the yeah, counter. Yeah, so you could go into the um, normal pharmacy and get kind of Lyclear or um, 
I forgot the name of the actual other one. Um, so yeah, and basically permethrin and that's it. Um, and cover your skin with that. But you'd have to do it on all the areas that you're potentially going to be uh, at risk of having it. Well, I think we I think we kind of covered most okay. things yeah. there. We've covered, and we've got an extended Queens of Agony section, okay. which I'm hoping you're going to join in. Where, where there's a, cu- a couple of these things might come up. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm keen to ask though about your own hair on your head. Okay. What's your regime? Do you have those beautiful? To keep long, my to keep my long yeah. curly locks. Um, well, I have a specific kind of hair product that I basically put in when my hair's wet, and then I go to sleep with my hair wet, and it basically just magically curls my hair. And what would you want to tell us what it is? I can't remember the name, which is why I'm <laughs> stalling for time. Um, okay. Nor- yeah, I can't remember. It'll come but back. Is to your yeah. hair is your hair curly if you didn't do that? Then? Yeah. So it's naturally curly, but in order to kind of get the curls to kind of pop. As it were, basically that's how I that's how I did it. And are you sort of gingery with, and you've blonded the? No, my um, weirdly my beard's quite ginger, but I'm actually kind of just a mousy brownie blonde. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, there's there, there's definitely some reddish tones in my hair, but I'm not I'm not. My brother's um, very strawberry blonde, and I'm. Not. You do look a little bit Viking. Yeah, I know that's the kind of look I'm going for now. Yeah, and a bit surfery. Yeah, a mixture yeah. of kind of like snowboarder, Viking kind of surfer. That's the. And you've got quite a following on Instagram, haven't you? Yeah, it's probably because there's some pictures of me in my pants. <laughs> that always draws them in. Exactly. That's what you need with Instagram, really. Yeah. <laughs> Those thirst pictures. Exactly. Anyway, okay, shall we do some Queens of Agony? Great. Uh, so I do a big gong at this point. Right, Queens of Agony. So, dear old Queens and Nate, obviously, I got my MPX vaccine 24 days ago. Oh, that's monkeypox. Mm -hmm. 24 days ago. I still have a mark on my arm in the spot where they administered it. It looks like a minor bruise, kind of pink slash purplish. And there is an ever so slight bump there as well. Does anyone else experience this? I'm just wondering if it's normal. I asked my doctor and he just said, most people's induration goes away after three weeks, which wasn't very helpful. So, marks on the arm. Now, most of the people that I know that have had it have had a little mark or a lump. Yeah, it's a weird vaccine because usually these things kind of go into a big muscle group. But with the monkeypox vaccine, it's kind of, it goes in a really odd place. It's subcut. Um, so it can leave a lump because basically it causes um, inflammation at that site. And it, there are lots of people that are like, oh, I've still got a lump, it's still there. Or it's still a little bit sore and kind of if I press it and then I'm like, well, just don't press it. But <laughs> 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 but in, in all seriousness, it, it will probably resolve for that guy. I think it's probably nothing to worry about. It's just one of those things that your body's just taking a bit of time to heal in response to it. I didn't get anything. You're lucky. Some people do, some people don't. And I'm wondering if it's it's because I'm so old. They actually tested smallpox on me when I was younger. No, I think I might have had the smallpox oh, okay. vaccine when I was very young. So I don't know whether that was. There's um there were there was there was some questions about that actually when the monkeypox um outbreak started about who if you'd had the smallpox vaccine as a child or if you were in the army or something like that and you'd had it um, whether you would need to have it again and actually the evidence said that basically if you, if you hadn't had it within the last five years then you would need to have another one because you actually right. used it like so yeah so it wouldn't be that it's just you were lucky yeah okay cool tell me did you have a lump or a bump 
I haven't had it. Oh, you haven't had it? Okay. I haven't had the vaccine. Well, you can report on that later on. I don't have an opinion on this question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Naturally, my default answer would be it would probably be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so dear old Queen's Nate, getting an HPV vaccine... I'm a late bloomer, started dating in my 30s late last year before really getting into the dating scene. I asked my doctor about HPV's vaccine and he dismissed any of my concerns and did not recommend it. He's one of those random automatically assigned doctors I got. Clearly doesn't really deal with many gay patients. I kind of went on with my life without getting the vaccine. Just had mono for the past few weeks. I don't know what that means for the past few weeks and it's been pretty terrible and I'm it made me think of precautions I should consider I've only made out with a handful of people and had sexual encounters with two people I think at this point it might be too late to get the HPV vaccine since it's so prevalent but was wondering if it makes sense to still get it so I think I think mono in America is mononucleosis which oh, okay. is glandular fever I think oh. that's what we call it over here uh, yeah, no, I'd say still get it. If you, I mean, it's obviously the, the the healthcare systems are very different. It sounds like they're in America because yeah. um, they're assigned a, a general physician, whereas obviously we have sexual health services here that's a specific branch of healthcare um, that you would go to. But yeah, you should you should push for that. But presumably, though, if you were living in a rural location, you wouldn't be going to a sexual health centre. You would just see a doctor. Well, basically, in the UK, funding for HPV vaccines for men who have sex with men is only in sexual health services. So it's all to do with basically the the situation that happened when um, we started vaccinating young girls for HPV for cervical cancer. They were like, yeah, we'll we'll just vaccinate young girls because the young boys will just get what's called herd immunity because they'll be having sex with the girls. And then it was like, wait a second, some boys have sex with boys. Yeah. Didn't think about that. So a lot of the HPV vaccination um, in sexual health services is to kind of catch up people who weren't given the vaccine when they were young um, at school uh, before they were sexually active, but also those guys who are a bit older. But yeah, if you're in a, a smaller community or kind of like something like that, you might not be accessing sexual health in a big clinic might not be able to get it through your GP. It might be a bit trickier. I was saying earlier on that, you know, I can be in the clinic in about three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the benefit of living here. Yeah, because you don't live in a rural area. No. I mean, it's a bit longer for me, but it's also quite quick. <laughs> it's, it's like much closer than mine. It would just be much easier commute for me on those days I go to work. That would be quite nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then if I was late, it would probably be a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. These are all about vaccines. So, dear, uh, dear old Queens and Nate, it's... Is it still okay to get my second monkeypox vaccine? Again, I think this might be an American listener because we're not doing second shot here yet, are we? So is it okay to get my second monkeypox vaccine uh, shot four days after I got a tetanus shot? Or am I supposed to wait longer in between different shots? It's been over a month since my first monkeypox vaccine shot and I'm scheduled for the second one on Friday, but at a physical... On Monday, I got a tetanus shot. Is that okay? Probably, yes. I'm not a prescriber or a nurse or a doctor. 
Um, so take any medical advice I give with a pinch of salt. But realistically, I would say, yeah, that's completely fine because they'll be acting on different um, pathways in terms of your immune response. So the first and second vaccines are minimum of 28 days apart. The good thing about the monkeypox vaccine, the first one, is actually you develop a very good response very quickly. Um, so you've probably got within a few weeks of having it probably about a 95, 96% coverage, which is really good. The second one obviously just boosts that and solidifies that and kind of keeps it going. But in regards to an, another vaccine, the tetanus, it should probably be fine because you can have multiple vaccines at the same time. So when we give HPV, hepatitis B and hepatitis A for a new person in clinic, we give them three vaccines on the same day. Okay. Well, that's good. That's kind of the end of the, the STI bit. <laughs> I mean, what would what would you say to people? I mean, people just basically need to go and get tested, don't they? Yeah, our recommendation is, you know, get tested. It's a lot easier to get tested than maybe it was historically because you can do it at home. Um, a lot of places, obviously in Bristol, we have um, postal kits that you can you can access through the website and basically get sent a kit at home. Do your swabs and urine for chlamydia and gonorrhea. Do your blood testing at home and then send it back uh, for HIV and syphilis. Don't give too much poo or too much or fill up the urine thing too much either. Definitely shouldn't be sending in a poo sample. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, that's where you went wrong. Yeah, just, just, just that's just, what they asked for. No, it's just a swab, swab from the bum, swab from the throat, and a pee sample. Did you send them a dirty protest? <laughs> I spelt my name in it <laughs> on the box. Just signed it <laughs> with fetal matter. <laughs> okay, so we we've been off air for quite a long time. This okay. is our first podcast back in right. uh, nine months so we've got a couple of we've we've got a few more questions here because they've been they've been stacking up since we've uh, since we've been off air those poor people i know what are they going to do without our advice so <laughs> so now we get to the juicy stuff day so okay. you don't have to talk about work anymore right okay uh well, but obviously you can if you feel you need to um so dear old queen's nate a threesome with a straight couple. So I've been asked to be in a threesome with a straight couple. To start off with, I'm gay, so I have no interest in in women. I'm really good friends with a girl from the couple, and she confessed to me that when she met me, she was into me. Also, I was really obsessed with her boyfriend, who is bi, and she told me he's kind of into me too. To get to the point, my question is, how exactly is it going to work? since I don't know how comfortable I am with doing stuff with the girl besides the obvious of him fucking her and I'm fucking him. I've wanted to bottom for this guy for so long, but don't see any arrangement to make that happen. Any suggestions? (laughs) (laughs) I can think of a few. (laughs) Well, Nate, do you want to start the ball rolling with this? Well, I mean, you know, like, it depends what he... Like, so the... If you've got a straight couple, it depends. He might want a bottom for her. Like, why not let her peg him? There you go. This is true. Yeah, they haven't even brought that up, have yeah. they? We've got to throw things into the could, mix. Could have brought along a tool. Yeah, exactly. So, Tommy, you've been in this situation, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm often asked to do that, but I've never accepted the invitation. Right. Yeah, just because I just feel weird about it, really. But, I mean, I, I'm not ruling it out. I'd never rule it out, but I haven't ever accepted it. No, I don't think I've... I've never been asked to do this. There was a situation where 
well, it was in this flat, and um, it was all about to happen, but then the woman got very jealous and kicked and left the room. She was jealous of you? <laughs> no, because there was another person as well, so there's actually four of us. Okay. I was just reading Vanity Fair magazine. Okay. <laughs> Watching Take the High Road with the sound down. <laughs> Which invariably happens in kind of threesomes. But <laughs> there's always one, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, there's usually three, but, you know... <laughs> Um, I don't know. I've never been asked to do this, but I, th- I think if I really fancied the guy, I might be open to it. But as to how you would negotiate that, I mean, I guess you can... It, it depends how it all pans out and what you, you feel like doing at the time, right? Yeah, I think there's something about, you know, you can enjoy kissing someone but not necessarily find it really really horny or kind of really into the sexual kind of element of it so you could the touching might be quite nice there's a sense sensualness of touching someone's body even if you're not sexually attracted to them perhaps but i think it's more about him obviously wanting to have sex with him and she'd maybe get in the way (laughs) (laughs) well yeah again that but he he might surprise himself Mm, yeah he might surprise himself i mean i would do some research I would just get really drunk. Okay, well, but, but then that yeah, also has... Plan, <laughs> good, well, possibly that, not too that, drunk. But that may not work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe have you know, a bit of Dutch courage. But the, you know, the, I, I'm, I fear that there's probably a lot of uh, videos you can watch uh, via Pornhub or something about this. Whilst yeah, doing it. Uh, well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Because there's a lot of buy porn out there, so... You know why? Don't, why don't have a look? See, see, see what you see what you fancy. Um, you mentioned Pornhub. Did you like the fact that they were referring to the BBC as Mornhub? <laughs> <laughs> what, wasn't there something about a gay sauna that was going to show the funeral? Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, there was. I saw that tweet. They were going to be open, but they were. <laughs> In respect of Her Majesty, they were going to show the funeral. <laughs> they weren't going to show any porn. They were going to show Mornhub instead of Pornhub. Mm, so okay. there you go. <laughs> All right. So this next one is for you, Nate. Okay. I feel. DL Queen's Nate, should I switch to a different therapist if he's too hot? <laughs> like, is this about me? <laughs> don't know. <laughs> I couldn't possibly say. Um, So, like, he's so gorgeous, but obviously obviously he's my therapist and not going to be my boyfriend or anything. I'm not dumb enough to actually tell him I have a crush on him, but it's like it'll be in the back of my mind all the time. What do I do? I actually like talking to him, but I don't know if it's because he's hot or if it's because he's a good therapist. So my instant response to this is around, uh, I mean, getting into therapy terms, but it's around a thing called erotic transference. You'll often fall in love with your therapist. You'll often find your therapist really, really attractive because they're providing something for you that's um, something that you need. So it can be around kind of something that you, you know, that being able to be heard or kind of having a place that you feel safe to talk about the things that you want to talk about. They could also just be really hot, but there's probably a reason you've chosen that therapist in the first place, which is also okay. It's okay to kind of find that. Your therapist probably knows. Like, that will be the other thing that I think... <gasps> Do you think? Yeah, like, it's... I think 
if you bring it up, it won't probably be too much of a shock to your therapist because they can see that we we're tuned into kind of what's going on. Um, the way that you might smile, the way that you might interact, is probably something that they may have thought of. Do you think my therapist knows that I want to wear her pashmina? Yeah, because you keep stealing it. <laughs> Can I wear this during the session? <laughs> I mean, would you advise someone not to have a therapist that they might fancy? It's a tricky one. I think I think if it feels like it's too much, if it feels like you're you're not disclosing the things that you want to disclose, or you feel like that there's something getting in the way of that, I think that's something to bring to your therapist. I, I generally think being honest about what's happening in the therapy room is really important. There's a relational dynamic that's happening um, that may be about something that's happening outside in the real world, um, so it might not be quite what's going on. But also, you know, name it and see what happens. Rupture and repair is a massive part of therapy, and if it happens in the therapy room as opposed to outside the therapy room, that can also be really helpful. There you go. Have you mentioned the pashmina to your therapist? I was sort of like, I don't have a therapist anymore, but I did have a therapist, and I always liked her pashminas, yeah. Okay. I never fessed up. Does she listen to this podcast? I don't know. Well, I don't even remember her name. Though. If you've still got the pashmina, can you send it in? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Do you wear a pashmina when you do your therapy sessions? Not often. Um, if it's a bit cold, perhaps. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't. Okay, so dear old Queens and Nate, obviously, when you first had sex with a man, what most surprised you? I think I was quite surprised with the hairy bottom. Okay. I, I think I kind of expected that. Yeah, I'd expected that as well. I think, are we, are we talking about first penetration or are we talking about first i guess yeah oh yeah i don't know it says when you first had sex with a man i mean i really liked it (laughs) (laughs) which wasn't so surprising but i really really did like it Um, it was like wow this is kind of really uh, pretty pretty amazing yeah this is kind of what i've been wanting for a long time yeah this kind of ticks the right boxes (laughs) Mm, i think i think the other thing that surprised me because i i had snogged girls before but how it's different snogging a mat. It's like it's very. It's kind of I can't describe it. <laughs> like it's really. It's like tough and hard. Different and face. It's yeah. And there's just something rough about it, which I really liked. Yeah, I think I think back to kind of like kissing girls and being like, this all feels very soft and a bit gentle and a bit kind of like this isn't quite what I want. And then kissing a boy and being like, this is definitely, like, this, there's a rawness there, that there's something kind of, I don't know if it's, obviously it can still be lovely and gentle and tender with a guy, but it's like, I don't know, there's something about. I think it can be rough with a guy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't but, know, there's something about the taste of someone's lips that may be different. I don't know. Yeah. I, d- I think that's what I noticed. It was different kissing a guy. But it was, was it your intent? Behind the kissing, do you think that was different? That that was why it felt more as well. Mm, maybe who knows? Interesting. Okay, uh, we'll we'll move away from the sexuals. <laughs> well, kind of, but maybe not. Okay, um, dear old queens and Nate, which show do you prefer, The Golden Girls or Sex in the City, or slash, and just like that, Sex in the City had more guys taking their clothes off. But aside from Samantha, I never really found the characters lovable or funny. 
The Golden Girls was funny from the beginning to end. When I was younger, I did find Rose annoying, but now I'm grown. I love her just as much as Dorothy, Blanche and Sophia. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, there's so much to unpick. I know, right? I mean, I always love Rose. And isn't and just like that, it wasn't the statistics is that all of those actors are the same age as the Golden Girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that fact. Yeah. I, I kind of love them both. Yeah, I sort for of different s- reasons. Struggle with Sex in the City, but I absolutely devoured and just like that. And I never liked Carrie as a character until and just like that. Mm. Because she just sort of grew into grief, I suppose, and she just became a nicer person as she got older, that character for Mm. me anyway. I felt very empathetic towards her. Mm. And I've watched it twice now, that whole series. And there was one that she's just walking around the city and I felt really lonely and sad one day and I just did the same thing because I thought oh Carrie did that and it, <laughs> it was quite good for her so yeah. I just walked around Nate do you have any opinions on this uh no um <laughs> have you got a favorite character what from Sex and the City or, or what either mm, I don't know to be honest I'm not much of a fan of either okay I'm just probably gonna like alienate myself from like uh your audience not at all okay that's fine I don't know, like, Sex and the City always felt, like, a bit like, oh, that's not really what real life is, and then it just felt a bit like, well, you're just obviously the over-sexualised one, and you're the over... It just felt really... Yeah, I don't know. Golden Girls is quite funny, actually. I I will say that, but I haven't watched a lot of it. I I definitely feel sometimes like I need to work on being a gay. (laughs) I'm not not succeeding well enough at certain things. Well, I definitely prescribed the Golden Girls. So, (laughs) one episode a week. I mean, I'm old enough to know. I mean, I was a teenager when that came out, so I used to watch it all the time. But there wasn't. Sorry to interrupt. There wasn't. There's an artist called Brian LaBelle who would be brilliant to have on the podcast and he did a performance piece that was a durational performance piece that lasted I think a whole day mm-hmm. and then he would sit on a bed for the whole day he would talk to people individually and then they would talk about a problem that they had and then he would prescribe an episode of Sex in the City <laughs> and they would watch it together I think I think that I would adhere to that because I watched the whole series and then I watched it on repeat and virtually every t- every episode that came on during the repeats, like reflected something that was going on in my life, mm. in, particularly in my love life. And I, I just thought it was so good. And if, if, I know someone who's not very good at flirting. Okay. And they, they openly admit that. And I was like, you need to watch Sex and the City. Because the, <laughs> I think it, although it has dated, but I think it teaches you so much. I mean, basically, those four characters could be four gay men, really. Mm. Couldn't they? Did you get someone to eat sushi off your making body? <laughs> it wasn't sushi. <laughs> but yeah, I can I kind of love them, but I did well we we did a feature on this when I went to New York and I did the oh, yes. Sex and the City tour. So, I'd love to do a Golden Girls tour as well, I think. Uh, maybe I should go to uh Florida. Um, Okay, so the final, Queens of Agony. Uh, It's a short one. Uh, Dear old Queens and Nate, what's 
a gay guy struggle that is almost impossible to explain to straight men. I mean, there's kind of a <laughs> lot. <laughs> I can't actually think of anything. But yeah, what do you? Th- what did you? Th- mm. I was thinking something about drag race. Probably would be something that straight men don't have to worry about. <laughs> they just well, they don't. They don't have to watch it. Well, that, that's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. There won't be another another season for something like they don't have to watch Sex and the City or <laughs> The Golden <Yeah>. Girls. <laughs> Isn't there something about coming out as yes. well? Yeah, no, I think because it doesn't just end when you come out. It's like almost in every new situation that you're in. Yeah, you're constantly coming. You out. You kind of have to come out or like drop a few hints as to your sexuality because straight men will very often talk to you about. Straight things, and Straight you're like, I'm not, I'm not into that. <laughs> it's Yeah, I think coming out is a, a constant process, and it's a constant process that you kind of, as you get older, you kind of forget that you have to do as much. So obviously if you're out at work and you're out in your friendship group and you're out in your family or you're kind of, you know, whoever it might be, there's bigger portions of your life that know but then, you know, you go on holiday and you're like, oh, well, are you sure you want a double room? And it's like, yeah, of course I do. It's my husband. Like, what, what, like, odd things like that. It's kind of, you constantly have to remind people that you exist mm. in the way that you exist. And then it's like, oh, there's that moment of fear that constantly comes out of like, am I going to get rejected? Is this going to go badly? And even though you know it's probably not, it's still something that you have to encounter on a maybe daily basis for, for a lot of people. Yeah. Tommy, uh, what what do you think you do regularly that a straight man doesn't well, I, have to do? I can't really think of myself, but I was thinking about the idea of inherited trauma. And that's probably something that is only just beginning to be explored in terms of like how trauma can be passed down from queer queer communities Mm. you know specifically and how men living in the 1950s who i feel a kinship with or Mm. a relationship with and how they lived in the shadows and hiding their lives and 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 how that affects me living today and also you know being our age we grew up when it was still illegal up until the ages of 21 Mm. And also growing up with that stigma of HIV, mm. just being, you know, in the 90s, yeah. it was ter- terrifying yeah. to be 17 and, come, you know, coming of age and knowing that people perceive who you are with, with that disease. Yeah. I think the fact in some ways thinking about that, I always think about the fact that that generation that we lost, how many people, how many of our queer elders have we lost that we can't look up to and have seen in society and that thing of kind of like when people weren't coming out and it was all in the shadows and then basically you've got a generation that's just gone Mm. so for my generation was only just a little bit younger than yours i'm not going to be in my 40s that like yeah i know about the aids tombstone and all of that kind of stuff that we experienced and kind of stuff like that but i don't have anyone above there's just a missing little bit of my kind of history of of what it means to be queer because i don't have those people that i looked up to as i was growing up to kind of go to see in the media to see kind of like now that they that people have and i think that's amazing and that's something that like straight men never have experiences a loss of their representation in society they've never had to experience a point in their lives that they weren't seen Mm. 
Yeah. Well, you should maybe listen to this podcast a little bit more. <laughs> that was meant to be the lighthearted question. It turned out to be quite serious. <laughs> maybe you could flip them so that maybe. we've finished with the drag race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nate, thank you so much. It's been so interesting to talk to you. And thank you for coming thank you for in. What would you like, like to say to our lovely audience as a... One last thing to put in their mind as as as, as we leave you. I think just a note about normalisation of sexual health. So sexual health, uh, mental health, physical health are all part of who we are. And kind of it's okay to kind of not know stuff. It's okay to ask questions. There, as they always say, there's no bad question or no wrong question. But it's normal to have want to have sex it's normal to need sexual health needs because of that and actually just getting tested regularly is part of you looking after your life and looking after the life of your friends and partners and sexual contacts and and i think that's one of the reasons why we deal with these subjects on our podcast because i think the more we normalize it and the more people talk about it the less of a stigma there is the less fear there is around it um i also was going to talk at some point about slut shaming because um, some people have, have been slut-shamed for saying they're on PrEP mm. on certain apps and things like that. And actually, it's just like, it, yeah, there's yeah. no place for that in our culture, I don't think, because people have different types of sexual behaviours. Yeah. And some so have being, multiple partners and some don't. Yeah, but you're being proactive about looking after your sexual health. You shouldn't be shamed for kind of taking precautions and taking considerations if you're choosing to have unprotected or condomless sex you should be on prep like it doesn't equate you looking after your health as something that's negative mm. but i think people assume that if you're having more partners that there's something sexually wrong with you it's a, it's a very odd dynamic but i think it's actually a lot about shame and it's a lot about again the patriarchy and about <laughs> how we view what it means to be sexually liber liberated and kind of actually having the lives that you want to live and actually realistically people are quite jealous i think sometimes of people going out and doing what they want to do mm, indeed well nate thank you so much please say goodbye to our lovely audience goodbye lovely audience <laughs> tommy thank you it's great to be back back in the throne room liar beauty queen fraud <laughs> <laughs> I do wish you'd stop calling me that. <laughs> Where's that from again? Married at first sight. Married at first sight. Okay. Uh, so now I need to watch that. <laughs> Tommy, say goodbye to our lovely audience. Goodbye, lovely audience. Goodbye, lovely audience. We will see you next time on What That Old Queen. You have been listening to What That Old Queen? Written and presented by Tom Marshman and Bernie Hodges. The show was produced by Bernie Hodges for Hodge Podcasting in 2022. If you have a question for the old queens, or you'd like to be a guest, or you want to sponsor a show and give us lots of money, you can email hello at thatoldqueen.com or find us on Facebook Instagram or Twitter. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.